chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. What book did I say, everybody? Matthew. Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. And uh, we're going to uh, still get a little feedback here. We're looking to look at verses uh, 1 through 17. Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 through 17 from the English Standard Version of the Bible. The text is on the screen. If you're ready, shout, I'm ready. All right, let's go. The Bible says, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Verse 2, Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar, and Perez, the father of Hezron, and Hezron, the father of Ram, and Ram, the father of Abinadab, and Abinadab, the father of Nashon, and Nashon, the father of Salmon. <laughs> Verse 5, and Salmon, the father of Boaz, by Rahab, and Boaz, the father of Obed by Ruth. And Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of David, the king. And David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah. A story is being told here, and I hope somebody catches what's happening here. And Solomon the father of Rehoboam, and Rehoboam, the father of Abijah, and Abijah, the father of Asaph, and Asaph, the father of Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat, the father of Joram, and Joram, the father of Isaiah, and Isaiah, the father of Jotham, and Jotham, the father of Ahaz, and Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah, and Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh. Bible students should be shouting right now because they see who's in this. Listen, Manasseh, the father of Amos, and Amos, the father of Josiah, and Josiah, the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the deportation to Babylon. Now, this is where I'm going to need my hooked on phonics help on these, word, on these names right here. The other ones was easy. Verse 12, and after the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shabtiel, and Shabtiel the father of Zerubbabel. Help me, saints. And Zerubbabel, the father of Abiud, and Abiud, the father of Eliakim, and Eliakim, the father of Azor. Somebody shout Azor right now. That's an easy one. And Azor, the father of Zadok, and Zadok, the father of Hakim. And Achim, the father of Eliud. And Eliud, the father of Eleazar. And Eleazar, the father of Mathen. And Mathen, the father of Jacob. And Jacob, verse 16. And Jacob, the father of Joseph. The husband of Mary. I lost all of y'all from verses uh, 6 to just now. See, I know him, uh-huh. 
of whom Jesus was born. Come on, say amen. amen. Who is called the Christ. Verse 17, all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations. And from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations. And from the deportation to Babylon to the Christ, 14 generations. Verse 18, just want to read this one line. Now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. I want to preach on the subject today, radical acceptance. Let us pray. Father in heaven, I'm praying. Holy Spirit. be released in this place. We need a word from the Lord. A word from the Lord. We know the enemy doesn't want us to get the word. There's so many different people in here, different needs, different experiences, different mindsets. But I believe that the Holy Spirit can, can, can move past my feebleness, my frailty, my flaws and can help somebody today you got to do it Lord because I don't have it to do fill my cup fill my cup fill it up Lord God and make us whole is our prayer in the name of Jesus we pray and everyone said amen and amen and amen amen radical acceptance amen today is sermon number four in our four-part series, Four Things Families Shouldn't Do. Four Things Families Shouldn't Do. Just a quick review. Number one, we preached families should not leave God. In other words, families should make God their number one pursuit. I don't have time to preach that today, but if you want to watch it, you can go online and watch it on our YouTube channel. The second thing that we realize families shouldn't do is families shouldn't hate on each other. That's just a colloquialism for saying in reverse that families should be supportive of each other. Families should be a place where you receive encouragement. Somebody shout encouragement. Number three, another thing families shouldn't do, and I wanted to preach this last week, but I was not able to preach it last week because a surprise preacher came up in the house. But that preacher preached the very text. This was not planned. He preached the very text I wanted to preach last week. That was from Matthew, the first chapter, not the verses I read today, but verses 18 through 25. And we learned from Joseph. Joseph could have shamed Mary. He had every right to shame a woman who said she was pregnant by the Holy Ghost. The Bible says he could have divorced her, but the Bible says because he was righteous. Somebody say righteous. righteous. <laughs> says he would not put her out to open shame. And, and then it came to my mind. I said another thing that we as families can learn is we need to learn that we ought not shame one another. Amen. The truth of the matter is the majority of the shame that people carry, the majority of the shame and guilt and humiliation and injury that most of us carry, we do not carry that shame and injury from people outside of our bloodlines. <laughs> But most of us carry the weight and the burden and the humiliation and the pain from our families. How many agree families should not humiliate each other? Families should not injure each other. Families should not guilt each other. Families should not manipulate each other. What should families do? Families should protect each other. 
there's ever a place where you ought to find safety. It should be in your family. And then today I want to teach on the fourth thing as we close out this year, four things families shouldn't do. The fourth thing we want to discuss today is families should not deny or reject each other. In other words, families should claim each other. Families should give unconditional acceptance to each other. And I want you to know that this has been one of the most spiritually hard sermons for me to prepare. Because I'm not sure that my flesh agrees with what I just said. So the, the holidays, uh, they always force me to think about families. And in particular, it forces me to think about my family. Um, and one of the things, and I'm not just talking about my immediate family, I'm talking about all my family. Because when, you know, when the holidays come, you typically get around family members. Now some of y'all, y'all family's so interesting that you have done everything you can to avoid being around people in your family. I don't got that choice. And every time I'm around my family, I learn new stuff about my family. And I said, you know what, man, we need to do a series in this church. I'll, I'll be working out my own stuff with y'all. We need to do a series in this church on what families should do and what families shouldn't do. Amen. And after I left Thanksgiving and spent a little time uh, with other family members throughout, I realized that I am more like people in my family whose behavior I don't like than I choose to admit. I'll say that one more time. I think many of us find it very easy to despise things in others that for, for the truth of the matter, if, we are, if we're honest with ourselves and if we're, least we're open, if we have the self-awareness to see it. You know, I heard one person says it like this, Jesus may be in your heart, but your daddy is in your bones. Right? How many know I'm telling the truth? How many have ever seen anything in your own life and you're like, man, I don't want this. I don't like it in them. And I don't want to be this way. And I don't want to think this way. I don't want to behave this way. And so I said, you know, God, help us to see through the, the story of the birth of Christ how families should behave. And I'm learning a lot. I'm learning that I ought to be that ought to be a little more gracious. It's hard. I ought to be a little bit more forgiving. I'm learning that I ought not, I ought not make my stuff better than somebody else's stuff. Yeah. Or make somebody else's stuff worse than my stuff. Stuff is stuff. Yeah. Sin is sin. The struggle is the struggle. But our tendency really is to do that. So I was watching, uh, I was scrolling on my, my Instagram. You know, when you're on vacation, you can do a lot of scrolling. Come on, say amen. My fingers almost fell off. I scrolled so much. I was all into social media. I can't wait for this fast to begin. I need a break from social media. Anybody, anybody with me right now? When you're sitting around, all them cakes and them leftover uh, meals and pies everywhere, and, you know, you just really don't want to be productive. Did anybody have that over the holidays? You just, I don't want to be productive at all. I don't want to do anything that's of any value. I just want to scroll, <laughs> scroll, watch movies. Oh, y'all don't want to admit it, but Anybody out there coming off of a movie binge or you watched a full series or something? Okay. All right. I'm not the only one. All right. So anyway, I, I came across uh, this clip of Kevin Hart, and Kevin Hart is getting ready to put out a, uh, a documentary on his life, which don't worry. I'm not going to say the title of the documentary, but it's basically Don't Blank This Up. 
Yes. The name of the documentary is the title, Don't Blank This Up. Don't Mess This Up is the title. Don't Mess This Up, right? And just in the little clip I saw, just in the little clip I saw, uh, Kevin Hart uh, mentioned how his brother, one of the reasons why he had become so successful is because he watched all the bad decisions of his older brother. Said his older brother was, was, was out in the streets, he was gang banging, he was selling drugs, he was doing all this at a young age, and it had gotten so bad, it had gotten so bad, Kevin Hart's mother decided she was going to take him to the court and have him emancipated. Do y'all, do y'all know what that is? Yeah. One of the things I'm learning is, some of y'all know a whole lot about these court systems, like y'all know these terms. In my mind, I was like, I don't think they know what that is. But y'all know what that word emancipated means. Now, if I had known what emancipated was when I was a child, I would have thought about it, right? Especially after you get one of those whoopings that almost leaves you questioning whether your parents love you. Anybody ever got one of those before? And they tell you they love you? So, I, I, so for those of you who don't know, if you're a minor, you can, with the agreement of your parents, be emancipated from your parents. It's the equivalent of divorce, but divorce for children from their families. And it can happen a number of ways. Some of y'all know this stuff. Y'all are more familiar than what I did. Uh, a lot of it can be court-ordered. When a child becomes a ward of the state, it can, it can happen that way. It can happen if, 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 if there's, it's been identified that there is some kind of uh, abuse that's taking the home. In other words, we are, going to, we are going to make you independent from your parents because of the way that your parents are behaving. We are going to set you free, emancipate you. Another way that emancipation can happen is if a child joins the military. If they're not yet 18 years old yet, which is the age of majority, in other words, considered to be an adult, it depends on different states. But if a child is, is not 18 yet, a child can be emancipated if they decide to join the military. Or, uh, we've seen a lot of this, and this happens a lot in Hollywood or with people who make money. Um, what's this kid's name that just made $26 million last year for reviewing toys on, TV, on, on YouTube? I think his name is Ryan. Right? So sometimes what you will find out, yeah, all this talk about we need to go to college and stuff like that, if we are going to be successful in life, y'all lied to us. I want you to tell that right now. We could stay at home and record videos on YouTube and make $26 million a year just reviewing toys. Lord have mercy. Anyway, yes, it's real. Look it up. But anyway, so, uh, so, so you'll see situations where you have a kid like that. Uh, Drew Barrymore was emancipated from her parents. In other words, kids will come into money, athletes will come into money, and, and what they will do is they will go to the courts and say, I want to be independent from my parents because I'm in a position now financially where I can take care of myself. You understand what I'm saying? So like, like emancipated from your family. Wow! I wish this, I, I don't know, I wish that we could do this with our whole families. I mean, some of us, you know, you try to change your name. And all, but at the end of the day, if you are blood to family, there's really, you can emancipate. Yeah. Uh, some of you are not going to be happy when I say this. You can get divorced. Yeah. But how many know that the influence of your families is not something that you can get out of you or get rid of? You can live in two completely different countries. But as I said before, the influence 
of your past relationships, family members. Brothers and sisters, it's always going to stay with you. And I know that this is not something a lot of us want to hear. But let me just say this as a warning to people who are building families. Here's a warning. You got to make sure that God is involved in your plans as you are determining, at least when you got a choice. Because all of us in here had no choice as to the families we were born into. You have no choice in that matter. You were just born. You can't, you can't choose not to be a McNair. You were born into the McNair. You can't choose not to be a pool. That's, you have no choice in that matter. But you can choose who you marry. It's quiet in here right now. <laughs> and all I want to say to you right now is, is, like, when you have a choice, this is not really a part of the sermon, I just got to throw this out here because it's very important. If in the event that you have a choice to build a family, you need to make sure that you are being led by the Holy Spirit, by God, by spiritual people. You are not smart enough to make any folk know what I'm talking about in here. Somebody who's been through this stuff, help, help the people, help set the young folk free or the, the single folk free or anybody. Let them know they need the Lord when you are deciding who are you going to. Because look, even if you get divorced, even, it doesn't matter. If you separate yourself from these families, when the family comes together, when the family comes together, it is impossible to, to extra, extricate yourself from the influence of your family. It's in your blood. It's in your genes. It's in your DNA. Am I telling the truth? If I'm telling the truth, somebody say amen. With that in mind, this story of this genealogy that nobody likes reading... Oh, come on in here. I know y'all spiritual. Oh, Pastor, I'm in the Word. I study the Bible every day. When you get to those genealogies, and so-and-so begat him, and begat, and begat, and begat, and begat, and he begat. Oh, don't sit up here and lie to me, because I love the Word of God just as much as you. But I will skim through it just so that my conscience is all right. Amen? Some of y'all just skip right over it. Come on, say Amen. As a matter of fact, in this passage, you really just want to get to the birth of Christ. You ain't trying to deal with all these names of people that you have no connection with. But, 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 uh, one of the reasons why this is here is because Matthew, who is the author of the book of Matthew, obviously right, okay? Matthew's the author of this, is trying to show us that you cannot separate yourself from your family. That your divine purpose, talking about Christ, is directly connected with your progenity. It's directly connected with your ancestors. It matters. Your behavior, your idiosyncrasies, the way you walk, the way you think, many of you, all of that stuff was carved in the womb. And it wasn't just carved in the womb that you were born in. It was carved in your grandmother and your grandfather and your great-great-grandfather and all the begats in the Cox family or in the Graves family, whatever family you came from. It matters. And the influence will always be with you. Who says amen to that? And so uh, there's a reason why Matthew begins with this boring list of names. I'm going to just give you a few reasons real quick. First of all, the first indication is in the fact of who wrote it. Now, catch this. Matthew is the despised tax collector. What is he, everybody? Now, in Israel, if there was anybody that was kicked out of the family of Israel, it would be a person who had leprosy or it would be someone who 
had like impure blood, if they found out they were mixed. Oh, but especially one of the things that the Jews despised that would get you kicked out of the family is if you were a tax collector. Now, let me just tell you why. A tax collector was viewed as a big sellout. The reason being is because a tax collector would essentially take taxes, and, and more often than not, a tax collector would, 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 would be dishonest and would take a little bit more than they should from their people to give money to the oppressor, who in this case would be the Romans. So just understand, this is just for your knowledge. More than likely, Matthew was rejected by his family. If he was a tax collector. As a matter of fact, when you read the passage of scripture, when Jesus called him to follow him, the Bible says that at his house, while he's celebrating this party, and none of his family members are, are mentioned to be there, the Bible says the folks that were there were other sinners. It was the other marginalized of society. His own family rejected him because they viewed him as a sellout. So if there's anybody that could take up this topic of rejection, that could take up this topic of acceptance, that could take up this topic of what it feels like when you are on the outside looking in, when you are not considered to be a part of, when you are considered to be a, 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 you know, a malcontent or considered to be anathema to your family, disgusting, a black sheep. If anybody could write this, Matthew could write it. And so Matthew is writing from that perspective. And the second thing that we need to understand about why he started with this genealogy is Matthew not only is the author, but Matthew has an agenda. He's got a what, everybody? What is his agenda? Matthew, a Jew, is specifically writing to other Jews. Now, I need you all to stay with me right now. It ain't going to get good unless you get the context, all right? Matthew is writing to other Jews, essentially trying to prove to them by no, by, 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 by no issue of, of confusion that Jesus is the Messiah. You got to know. How many of y'all know when Jesus came? The Bible says he came to his own, and his own received him not. We know this, that when Christ was born, he, and most of the Jews did not even acknowledge or celebrate his arrival. All the people that knew the prophecies, all the people that knew the word, all the people that had the oracles of God, none of these people recognized the coming of Christ the first time. Who was it? It was shepherds, these dirty shepherds in the wilderness. Who was it? It was, it was the unbelieving magi that traveled thousands of miles following a star just to find him. I need you to listen to me, everybody. This is another my sermon today, but the more you know, the more dangerous a position you're in and somebody shared with me this morning from the pen of inspiration that one of the reasons why the Jews missed the coming of Christ is not that they weren't aware that he was being born but they were too proud to admit that somebody recognized it first so many times our pride can stand in the way of God's agenda. Many of the many of times the issue of us admitting that somebody else might know more than us or somebody else might understand something. Many of us are allow our pride to, interfe to interfere with God's revelation for our lives. And so Matthew, because he's a Jew, and even though the Jews have kicked him aside, he still loves his family. And he still wants his family to be saved. Have I got any witnesses in here that have had family to mistreat you, family to do you wrong, children that have mistreated you, done you wrong? But how many still, deep down in your heart, you still want your family to be saved? 
You still want your family to know what it is to walk in relationship with Christ. And so, so, so Matthew is writing to the Jews. And, and, and understand why he would start this passage off, not with the story of Jesus, but that he would start off with the Jews with a genealogy. Because if you were a Jew, a genealogy was everything, Annie. It was everything. In other words, your bloodline determined your destiny. Your bloodline determined your job. Do you know you could not even serve as a priest or the wife of a priest unless you were the son of Aaron, the high priest? You had to prove. They literally had heralds and scribes who their main responsibility was, was to check lists. They would have census to see, are you a part of the family? If you were found to not be a part of the family, then you could not serve. You could not inherit Abraham's blessings. And so the word of God is very clear that as we begin this, because I'm like, Lord, this is like, why would you begin like this? This is making me sleepy. I don't want to deal with this. But as I begin to read the names, I'm realizing there is a purpose behind him starting with the genealogy because he is trying to clarify to these Jews who are doubtful that uh -uh, all the dots connect. He is the son of David. He is, that's what it says in verse 1, he is the son of Abraham. Get it clear now that he is a part of the family. He is the one that, that has been prophesied in the Old Testament. He is the Shiloh that Jacob prophesied about. He is the one that, that prophesied where it said in Isaiah that there would be crooked places made straight and rough places made plain. He is the one, the Bible says, that he would be the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. And the government would be on his shoulders. And his name would be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Ah, Matthew was like, I want to give you evidence. I want to give you accurate facts. That this boy, this baby, this savior, the one that you didn't even recognize when you saw him coming, the one that hung around 12 jack-leg, uneducated disciples, that one is the one who was born to a mother who was just a teenager, and yet she had not been married yet. That one is the son of David. Now, what does it mean to be son of David? To be son of David means that he is in line to be king. Or as the Bible puts it, you know why he's called Jesus Christ? Christ means Messiah. And Messiah means anointed one. In other words, he is the chosen one. Somebody shout chosen one. He is the one that David prophesied about. And then the Bible says he is the son of Abraham. Meaning, he is the one from whom which God prophesied through Abraham, saying, all the world will be blessed through your family. That somebody is coming from your family. Abraham thought it was Isaac. How many know it wasn't Isaac? Abraham wanted it to be Esau. How many know it wasn't Esau? Uh, but God says, no, there's somebody that is coming, and the whole world is going to be blessed. So not only is he Abrahamic, and not only is he Davidic, but he is also the one that the Bible prophesied and said that he would come and that he would be God with us. So he starts off with a genealogy to make it clear that he is what the Bible said he is. 
The problem, though, Lord help us, is that the purpose of the genealogy was to show purity. I, I hope I just get a few folks to ride with me today. I mean, all y'all don't got the robe, but I'm just saying. The first purpose of the genealogy, show pure blood. Can I tell you something? Uh, Jesus was not blood. Rules are being broken, y'all. Matthew is using the genealogy, which the whole purpose of the genealogy is to prove that you're a part of the blood pool. But he's using a person in the genealogy who does not even really connect by blood. The only way he could connect by blood is if Joseph was his father. Joseph was his surrogate father, but Joseph is not his blood father. I wish I had a praying church in here. The second thing that a genealogy was supposed to do is a genealogy was designed not only for purity, but for memory. As a matter of fact, the way this genealogy was written is written in 14 generations. In other words, it's 14, 14, 14. There are three sections, 14, 14, 14, which equals 42. But the truth of the matter is, if you study your Bible carefully, you realize that Jesus had more than 42 generations in his family tree. But the purpose of a genealogy was not so much accuracy as it was trying to tell a story and trying to prove validity. So in other words, what you would do is, is you would design it for memory. So most scholars would suggest that the first chapter of Matthew is a song to be sung. In other words, oh, hear me all. Matthew wanted them to be so clear on this genealogy because this genealogy tells us so much about Jesus. It tells us so much about how he works. It tells us so much about what he is about that Matthew said, make it a mnemonic. Some of y'all know what a mnemonic is. Right? There, there are different ex- examples of a mnemonic. It, uh, sometimes an acronym can be a mnemonic. Uh, uh, USA, that's just short so you'll remember United States of America. Am I not right about it? Yeah. Uh, GCSDA is short for Grace Community Seventh Day Adventist Church. A mnemonic is designed to help you to memorize something. And so uh, Matthew is writing this because he doesn't want people to forget yeah. the information. He doesn't want them to forget the names yeah. that are in this genealogy. And so he even leaves out, y'all going to hear me, he leaves out some folks that should be in there, and he keeps some folks in there that probably shouldn't be in there. Okay? Uh, For example, he's got women in there. And there are no genealogies in the Bible where a woman is used to prove somebody's legitimacy. In that patriarchal society, that's just a big word for male-dominated society. In that male-dominated society, you could not justify your existence through your mama. You justified your existence through your daddy. But in Matthew's genealogy, when he's telling the story about who Jesus is, Matthew changes the rules under the guidance of the Holy Spirit a little bit and says, ah, there's some names in here that I've left out, but there's some names in here that ought to be in here. 
And, and I need to put some women's names in there because there were some women that had an integral role in the coming of the Messiah. I thought I'd at least get an easy amen from the sisters out there that recognize that your, your, that your contribution matters. Come on, say amen. amen. Come on, say amen. amen. How many know that the Holy Ghost falls not only on men, but the Holy Ghost falls on women? How many know that God is not just a God of men, but God is the God of male and female? How many know that there is no Jew, there is no Greek, there is no male, there is no female, there is no black, there is no white, there is no rich, there is no poor? Ah! According to the word of God, God doesn't have any favorites according to how man has favorites. And God will use anybody. I wish I want to preach that today. That's not my task nor my responsibility. But somebody ought to know today that God will use anybody. And God doesn't need the stuff you think he needs in order for him to use you. But I just believe if you make yourself available to God. Are there any witnesses out there that know God will use you if you want to be used? Nothing we see in here is is that uh, uh, there are Jews and Gentiles in the list. And one of the number one ways to get eliminated out of the family of God was to have foreign blood in you. Can I just point out a few examples in the list? Do y'all know one of Jesus' great, 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 great aunts was a woman named Rahab? Okay. I got to do, we got to do more Bible teaching in here. Yeah. No, nah, we do. We do. We got, we got to teach the Bible more. I'm in the conviction. That's a growth mindset. We go in 2020, we're going to teach more Bible because some of y'all should have broke out dancing right there. Now, not only was Rahab a foreigner from Jericho, but the Bible says she was a prostitute. I, I'm not saying that. The Bible says she was, Doris. The Bible says her occupation was a prostitute. And this woman married into the family of God and she is a part of Jesus's family tree. A prostitute foreigner. How about that? Oh, oh, and then there's another woman named Ruth. Ruth, oh, boy, I got to teach the Bible. That's why y'all don't shout when I preach. Because y'all don't know y'all Bibles. If I was sitting where you be sitting, I'd be getting happy right now because I already know where I'm going. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I said Ruth, y'all. Ruth is a Moabitess. There's actually a commandment in Deuteronomy that says that if you have any Moabite blood in you, you are not allowed to enter into the congregation of the Lord until the 10th generation. Y'all know David's great, 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 great grandmother was a Moabitess. But nevertheless, the Bible says David declared, I was glad when they said unto me, I know I got some weird blood in me. I got some Moabite blood in me. But I don't know. I didn't make ten generations. But when God has his hand on you, the rules don't apply. I'm telling you, the anointing breaks rules. When the anointing is on your life, the rules can't hold you down. Rules that say you're too old, are you anointed? Rules that say you're too young, are you anointed? Rules that say you're a woman, are you anointed? It amazes me how we're still getting caught up on this thing of women being pastors. I'm just telling you right now, 
I, my, I got one question. Because look, at the end of the day, I ain't scared. Listen, I got I to gotta make this plain for y'all today. Because the same thing that applies, the same thing that applies in Scripture for Jesus saying that, hey, look, ain't no favorites here. I, I call people who are men and women after my own heart. So let me go back here for a second. All right, let, me, let me teach this for a second. Let me teach y'all something. Do you realize that every chosen person of God did not fit the rules? One of the reasons, Fred, we've talked about, one of the reasons why there's issues with people concerned that Jesus is the son of God, meaning that he can't be God if he's the son of God, is because they take that literally to assume that son of God means genealogy. But the first son of God was Adam, according to the book of Luke. But Adam messed up. And so ever since then, God had a new son. And the first son was Adam. The second son was Israel. Go to the books of Isaiah, and it calls Israel the son of God. But notice, I don't have time to really get into it, but all of these sons were supposed to be firstborns. But guess what? David is not a firstborn. Christ, technically, is not a firstborn. He's only begotten. And the word meganoite for begotten, only begotten, doesn't mean only born. It means one of a kind. It means, it means he, he doesn't fit in any box. Oh, Lord God Almighty. He does not fit in anybody's box. And one of the things, I'm just trying to make this point. One of the things that you see throughout scripture is that he always breaks the rules on this one thing right here. Are they willing? Are they anointed? Or do they have sincerity? Not are they perfect? Because as I look through this list and I look at names, y'all got to pray for me. I'm looking at these names. Y'all, y'all help me just for a quick second. Let's Bible study. Uh, Abraham was a pagan who worshiped idols and devils. And God chose him. And he lied about his wife and he threw her under the bus. And he doesn't just do it once, he did it twice. And then he had a son named Jacob. And the Bible says Jacob was a trickster, a liar, a deceiver. Oh, y'all, y'all, y'all still ain't praying with me now. Uh, and Jacob had a son, and his son name was, was, was Judah. And Judah's name means praise the Lord. Uh, but Judah loved women more than he loved to praise. And it was so bad that his own, his own daughter-in-law pretended to be a prostitute to trick him to sleep with her and impregnate her. And it just blows my mind that he fell for that as God's man, but she knew that if all she had to do was look like a prostitute, she could bring the man of God down. Because God doesn't choose based on how man chooses. God doesn't choose based on rules. God chooses based on who he chooses. He chooses based on willingness. He chooses based on the anointing. That's what he chooses based on. Okay, you don't believe me. Okay, Judah. You don't think Judah is bad. Okay, Tamar is in there. That's the one that pretended to be a prostitute. Let me just slide down here. Uh, what about Solomon? Uh, the, the man that the Bible said had 700 wives and 300 concubines. Uh, you you you're disturbed here. Oh, and by the way, his mother was Bathsheba. And Bathsheba uh, had him in the midst of an adulterous, and I would even go so far as a rape culture, power rape situation. But the king, the man himself, who's the man after God's own heart, David. 
God doesn't choose. Oh, 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 oh I'm sorry. And, and then there's a guy in here, uh, and his name is Manasseh. See, if you read your Bibles, you'd be shouting right now. Because the Bible says of all the kings of Judah, Manasseh was the most wicked of all the kings. Not only was he individually wicked, but Fred, the Bible says he led all of Judah into his wickedness. The scripture says he sacrificed many of his children to idols. He put them in the fire and killed them. That's like a modern day pedophile. We got pedophiles in here. We got prostitutes in here. We got womanizers in here. Y'all not praying with me in here. We got wicked kings. And listen, the whole king, the, all the sons of David, these, these kings, have y'all, anybody ever read Kings, First Kings, uh, Chronicles? These kings were so wicked. Every time you read it, and so-and-so was a king, and he was a king for like two years because he, everything that he did was wicked all the time. And all of these are connected with Jesus. All of these men were wicked. They would sacrifice their children to idols. They would bring false worship into the temple. Y'all tripping on worship and, you know, praising the Lord and it being too loud. These brothers were bringing sex cults into the temple. Yet, God shows them. We don't need your opinion about whom God chooses. We don't need your validation about whom God chooses. Because God can choose whoever he wants to choose, whenever he wants to choose them, however he, oh, guess what? And God chose you. Oh, y'all not, y'all not woke to your own stuff yet? Any liars in here? Any cheaters in here? Come on, any backbiters in here? Any gossipers in here? Any mean folk in here? Any adulterers in here? Anybody in here that's ever done anything wrong ever in your daggone life? Then you ought to praise God because God should have never chosen you. You have not been chosen because you did anything right. You've been chosen because of the grace of God. And so the title, Son of David, simply is a throwback saying, we got somebody that's going to fix the mess that David made. We got somebody that's going to fix the mess that Abraham made. We got somebody that's going to fix the mess that Abraham made. We got somebody that's going to fix the mess that Jacob made. This is a title. This is an acknowledgement that somebody is coming. And when they come, the government is going to be on their shoulders. And they're going to be able to handle the weight that great men could not carry. Y'all can get it if y'all want. It's up to you. Notice what Hebrews 2.11 says. Why don't you read Hebrews 2.11? Let's put it on the screen. Notice what Hebrews 2.11 says. Check this text out, y'all. The Bible says, Hebrews 2, verse 11. Read together. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same Now watch this. Keep going here. And the Bible goes on to say, so Jesus, there it is. It's not what? Come on, it's not what? It's not what, y'all? A shame to call them what, everybody? In other words, I'm going to make them holy, even though they're not holy. I'm holy. They're not holy. 
I'm holy. They're not holy. They're still my family. And I'm not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters, no matter what they've done. Listen, this is really why I'm here today. I'm here to preach to some families right now that are ashamed of other family members that have dejected and rejected some other family members that's ashamed of some sons that's in prison, that's ashamed of some daughter. Come on in here. Y'all, some daughters have gotten pregnant that have embarrassed you. Some people in your family that you don't like, your mama, your daddy, some folks with some mental health issues, whatever it is, Jesus says today, I'm not ashamed of you and neither should you be ashamed of yours? You need to claim yours as they are. There's a father here right now that need to claim his. There's a mother right now that need to claim hers. There are some children that need to claim theirs. We are to accept one another unconditionally. Why? Because he was not ashamed. Thank you, Jesus. I'm sorry, y'all. Let it go. The word of God says he was not ashamed of me. He puts his name on me. He's not ducking and dodging. For, I don't know about Myron. Uh, Y'all saw what he did. Y'all didn't see what I did. But he saw what I did in private. And the Bible said I ain't ashamed of them. We got whole families that's ashamed of each other. Embarrassed of each other. Lord have mercy. Wake up, y'all! And the Lord ain't ashamed of you. Lord, have mercy. Let's end this thing here today. Let's end this thing. Let's end this thing. Here's what's amazing, right? So if Jesus wasn't blood, how does that make him family? How? How is he family if he wasn't blood? Joseph wasn't his daddy, right? Was Joseph was his daddy? Was that his daddy? Not blood, right? So what makes him family? Covenant. Because you don't need blood to be family. Okay. Let me talk to somebody over here. How many know? Look, for case in point. Me and Shanae ain't family. Unless this is my sister. I just didn't. Is we cousins? I mean, I, come on, say amen, somebody. I know they did that early in biblical days to populate the earth. But we are not related as far as I know. Come on, say amen. That's two different plantations. It was the Edmonds Plantation. That was down in the south. And then the Arthur's Plantation was out in Jamaica somewhere. Come on, say amen. I did not marry my cousin. But what makes us family is covenant. Her sister and I, we're not blood at all. But why am I family to her? Because me, oh, this is amazing. Because when we got married and I made a covenant, yeah. oh, Lord, and she made a covenant, we began to claim one another's families. And real talk, me and Shanae are more family, or I should say, just as much family as Phyllis, my mother, and Ronald is to me. As a matter of fact, we're so family that I'll tell my mama if she calls, I got to call you back. Because I'm doing something with my wife. Come on, say amen. Oh, I ain't going to tell my wife. You hold on. My mama's calling. I'm helping somebody right now. I'm helping somebody right now. You got to leave and you got to cleave. Why? Because covenant trumps blood. Some brothers out here, as soon as their mama call and they come running, their wife asks them to take out the trash and they don't do nothing. Some of us are there for our boys and for our co-workers more than we're there for our own families. It's wrong. 
You ought not deny and reject your own family. Family first. Somebody shout family first. Come on, somebody. Somebody shout family first. All day, every day. And when people begin to watch how you handle your family, it is a stronger witness, Ellen White says, than a thousand sermons that can be preached. And some of us are nasty to our families. We do our families dirty. We talk about our own families in front of people. And they're just looking for a way to, to see a chink in your armor, to see if you are a person to be trusted. That's what I'm telling you right now. This ain't in my notes. But when I hear people talk about people, especially people that they're not supposed to be talking about, I tell myself on top, oh, they'll do it to me too. Oh, yeah? Uh, look, how many of y'all know? Mental note. Tell them nothing. Come on, say amen. Don't, hey, look, right, keep your wall up. Come on, say amen, somebody. Keep them barriers up around. Listen, I'm telling y'all, y'all got to be careful around people that gossip. Because, listen, if they gossip into you, guess what? They gossip about you. They gossip about you. The amazing thing, though, is Christ is family based on promise and covenant. In other words, he chose that family. Think of this. Look at that list of characters. He made a choice. You didn't have no choice to your family. Christ chose that mess. Some of your marriages, I'm really, seriously, it's a witness. Some of the way you handle your children and your, your siblings, it's a witness. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't have boundaries. Come on, say amen. The Bible, there are texts of scripture that says you shouldn't fellowship with folks that's doing certain things. But you don't reject them. They're yours. Somebody said they're mine. Those children are yours. And stop being embarrassed about them. Because the same stuff they're doing, you used to do. I don't understand this. That's all the, the young people. They just, are, okay, they got, they got phones, but they, they don't change that they got your genes. A couple things we learned. A few things we learned about Jesus from him choosing that family. How many are thankful that he chooses? How many are thankful that he chooses? And notice what the Bible says. He does it while we are yet sinners. If anything, Jesus should have chose Abraham when Abraham was on the mountain and he sacrificed his son. No, Jesus waited what, almost 50 generations later when his family was at its worst. There's a word in there for us. When your family is acting a fool, and, and I'm talking about not just about blood family, but your church family members. Look, man, stop being ashamed. Listen, if we were ashamed of people as much as God could be ashamed of us. Three points. Number one, that we learn from Christ about acceptance in this passage. Number one, accept your circumstances. Don't try and control them. So in other words, do you notice all of these people made a bunch of bad decisions? And God worked through all of that? Hallelujah. Now, he could have altered history if he wanted to. But, but, but Jesus is so awesome that he worked through the stupidity of his dysfunctional family and did not try to change them Amen. or alter history 
He accepted it as it was, and he worked for them in spite of it. Some of you are more stressed out, and you're doing more harm than good by trying to control. It is what it is. is, Listen, it is what it is. Your family is what it is. It is what, accept it the way it is. The situation is what it is. Don't try to manipulate it, control it, and especially don't try to deny that it's not what it is. It is what it is. You can't fix nothing until you at least admit it is what it is. And I, I'm learning that if I don't have the ability to control or to make choices about something, somebody else's decisions, I ain't, what am I, I ain't about to be tripping. I'm telling you, and I do all the time. Y'all pray for me. But sometimes, and y'all know what I'm talking about. Do y'all see folk that just get on your last nerve? When you see them, you just get mad. You was be, you be having a good day. And then when they talk, they say stuff that just get under your skin. Somebody else can say it, but when they say it, it's just like you shady. Like, I just can't stand. I want to bust a cap. Lord, I, listen, I'm trying, to, I'm, trying not to, I'm trying not to tell y'all too much, but I ain't going to lie. The Lord has brought me so low sometimes that in my mind, the thought has occurred. I didn't invite the thought, but the thought came in my mind. If they die, they die. Y'all can sit here in front all you want. I'm talking about the real thoughts. I'm not talking about the thoughts that you, you fix up and you sugarcoat when they hit you. I'm talking about, come on, anybody? Does anybody? I'm talking about the initial thought that the enemy puts in your mind. And for a split second, you agree with it and be like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever the Lord's will, let it be done, let it be done. I don't want to stand. I don't want to block your will. But what I'm learning is, is, you know, my parents used to tell me all this time as a child, we try to tell our kids, you have to ignore people. You know, and I, you know, I, I want to apologize to Taylor and Camden right now because we would tell them they would, you know, get on each other's nerves. And I'd be like, look, they, she's not really doing anything to you. If, if, she's not, if, she ain't, if he's not in your person, they're not doing anything to you. You can ignore them. Pretend they're not there. And me and Sinead would tell them this, and we'd just go about our business like we told them to do the easiest thing in the world. And brothers and sisters... Uh, at pastoring the church and, and being around the saints of God, I am learning that telling my kids to ignore artists is hard. It is hard as heaven. Come on, say amen. It's hard because then you, you, you're trying to figure out why do they make me feel this way? Why they why when I see my brother or why why why? Because it's not them, it's you. You have to make a choice. You can't change their behavior and how they act. But I just believe that God is good enough where he can give me peace in the midst of storms. That he can give me a right mind when everybody else wants to act crazy. Your craziness don't got nothing to do with my craziness. Your bad attitude don't got nothing to do with me. You being shady is your shadiness, and it don't got nothing to do with me. And I need the Holy Ghost. I'm praying. I'm preaching to myself right now. I need the Holy Ghost to help me to learn how to let y'all have your stuff and I have my stuff. They made me cuss them out. No, they didn't. No, not at all. Not at all. They getting on. They getting on my last nerves. No, they are not. You got issues. You got a problem. You have not gotten over this thing. Ask the Lord to take it out of your heart. And stop letting other people's issues be your issues. Put your hands together and give God praise right now. If you know I'm telling the truth, come on. Put your hands together. Number two, the second thing we learn. Accept your story and don't sugarcoat it. Accept your story 
and don't sugarcoat it. I'm going to get in trouble for saying this. How can I say this? Without getting in trouble, Holy Spirit? Okay. I want to talk. Y'all may not talk to me after this. But in time, we'll be all right. Okay? I'm saying this in love. I'm not talking to anybody right now who's a part of the younger generation. I'm talking to folks that lived a little while. Okay? Listen to me. Accept the story of your family and don't sugarcoat it. Tell your children, your nieces, and your nephews the truth about your life. Your struggles. I'm telling you, I cannot tell you. I'm saying this not only as a pastor, but as a clinician. I'm telling you, one of the main issues that we're dealing with in the next generation is a refusal of the previous generation to be honest about what's in the genes, about what happened. About what happened. I don't want to go, I don't want to get personal, but do y'all know what I'm talking about here? And I want to make a practical suggestion. When you have these holidays Jesus. and your Christmases and your Thanksgivings, I want to put a burden on the older heads. There ought to be some time that you pull everybody together yeah. and you work through your genealogy. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about and so-and-so begat so-and-so. No, no, no. I'm talking about. This is what I'm talking about. I'm talking about. And you can miss it. This can go over years. One of the things I ask couples to do when they come in for counseling, and I, you know, I ask couples here, I tell them to do a genogram. If there's mental health issues in your background, it's possible it could skip you, but it could be in your children. I think there should be full disclosure. If there was incest in the family, if there was womenizing, it's amazing. We will look at the other generation, and they will behave in ways that we are embarrassed of. But we know that they got it from somewhere. And, and, and I'm telling you, I know this is new school because old school says you don't say anything. You don't tell anything. You keep everything under your vest. Let the elephant just walk through the living room and poop all over the place. But don't say nothing about the elephant. Well, and then we brag about it. I'm old school. I'm old. No, you stupid. Because when you know to do better, you do better. And you mean to tell me you're going to watch children and generations and nieces and nephews follow down the same destructive path and never have a meaningful conversation about the realities of your family. You can have my book for free on family worship. And I know y'all ain't read it because one of the things I teach people in here is don't be sitting down and just having devotion. Oh, let's read, let's pray, let's sing, let's lead. No, there's, there's time in here in your worships where you need to be honest and tell your story yeah. without sugarcoating it yeah. as they can handle it. Yeah. 
But, but and, 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 and listen, and we like that part. As they can handle, oh, yes, thank you, Pastor. As they can handle it. So I'm going to get as close to possible with being honest without really being honest. Here, here's what I can promise you right now. And I know this because people come talk to me on a regular basis. And I counsel with people. They are struggling with things that are unidentifiable to them. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, you yeah. can help them yeah, yeah. if you're yeah. honest with them yeah. and talk. Yeah. Listen, now, uh, listen. Yeah. Y'all may not agree with anything I just said, but at least agree with this, okay? Okay. You may, I don't know about them teenagers and them little. Okay, fine. But if you got grown nieces and nephews and grown children, yeah. you better tell them about that divorce. Tell them. Because what I've seen happen is, is you see cycles repeat themselves. You see cycles repeat themselves. And I'm saying to myself, people, we have wise people in the spirit that are watching these things happen and nobody will even say anything about it. Come on, Doc. Come on, tell the truth. Tell the truth. I knew y'all wouldn't have it. Okay. Somebody's going to get it. I have made a vow. I, listen, y'all met, he, tell, he tells it all. But let me tell you something right now. My kids ain't going to be able to say that they was not warned. Now, this is where it's tough being a PK, right? Because I'm talking about them right now. But listen, I'm just being honest. I'm just trying to help somebody. I had to tell my children, your daddy had lust problems, porn problems, all of that. I tell them. I don't care about my reputation. And what I found is, is the more honest you are, the more they respect you. Because most of them know you're lying. Some of y'all have kids in other places and they're not told your, your own families. I'll leave it alone. Yes, look guys, look, yes, there are, there are, there are limits and there are boundaries. That's, listen, that's a whole nother sermon. I can't preach on all the limits. What I'm trying to do at least now is get somebody to make the first step. Yes, they should not be ashamed of their story. Yes. They should tell it as it is yes. and not sugarcoat it if they know that it's going to help somebody. And I would even go so far as to say this. Some of you, oh, I ain't going to help nobody if they know that I was, uh, I was out in them streets back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> well, look at Junior. Look at He's you. out in the streets. <laughs> I can't, I got to move on. Let me just end it. Let's end The last thing, number one, accept your circumstances. Don't try and control them. So it is what it is. Somebody shout, it is what it is. And one around here pretending like your stuff don't stink helps no one. Acknowledge that stuff. I got a dysfunctional, broken family. And although I have done pretty good, uh, you know, in terms of my professional life, that has nothing to do with the fact that I'm a messed up person. Who says amen to that? Number two, accept your story and don't sugarcoat it. Tell it all. It's a part of your journey. How many praise God for your story? Huh? How many don't take anything for your journey? How many know he's working everything for your good? How many know that God not only uses your steps, he orders your steps, but he also orders your stops? Come on, say amen. How many give God praise, not just for the ups, but also for the downs? How many praise him? Because all of it has made you wiser and stronger and better. And, and it's made your prayer life better. And, and it's made you want God more. Yes, sir. Last one. Last one. 
Last one. Accepting people doesn't mean you accept their behavior. The word of God teaches us, put up Romans text. The word of God teaches us that we are to give unconditional acceptance. Romans, put the Romans one up. What did I say, everybody? What kind of acceptance? This is, the, this is the part of my sermon that I was like. I don't, this is this, this, this not going to hit everybody. Some of y'all have had some folks very close to you do some horrible things. And so what I'm saying right now, I ain't giving you, this ain't nothing easy. And if you're not a believer, this don't apply to you. Look what Romans says, and we're going to end. Willie, stand right there. Put your fingers on the keys. Watch this. I just got to give you a word. Look, somebody say unconditional, unconditional. Acceptance. acceptance. Not based on behavior. You don't have to accept people's behavior. But you have to accept them as a human being, as a person, as a soul can have boundaries. I ain't saying you got to call them. Yes. But here's what I really want to get at. You're not going to badmouth them. All right. You're not going to wish evil on them. Let me give you something real practical Amen. to do. You know what you need to start doing? I want you to, I'm talking about the person that did you the worst, the person that you're the most ashamed about. I'm talking about people in your family that have just, I'm talking about gutted you for all the emotional uh, strength and endurance that you've ever had. I want you in 2020 to start praying for this person. Yes. Notice, play Willie. Here it is, Romans 15. I've got Bible. It says, we who are, what everybody? Have an obligation to bear with the failings. I got to give you word here because I just gave you a hard saying. And not to please our, all right, go to the verse, go to the next verse. Go to the next verse here. Let each of us please his neighbor for his what? To build him up. Verse 3. For Christ. Go ahead. Go back. Go back. Go back. For Christ did not please himself. But as it is written. All right. We're ready now. The reproaches. The bad things. Of those who reproached you fell on me. In other words. You think you got it bad? I took all the bad that was done to you. And all the bad that you did to me. I took all of it. I took the rape. Come on in here, somebody. I took the abuse. I took it when they lied about you. I took it when they stole money from you. I, 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 when they separated and divided your family, when they came in and they ruined your life, when they cheated on you, when they committed adultery on you. When I'm telling you, the Lord says, I took all that on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for what, our, our what, everybody? For our instruction. A few more verses. That through his word, what? 
and through the what? Encouragement of what? The scriptures we might have hope. How many lift your hands right now and say, I know it was bad. I done had some stuff happen. But how many can praise him right now that there's hope for the future? That God ain't finished with you yet. That, that no weapon that is formed against you shall be able to prosper. And that whatever the enemy came in uh, against you like a flood, that God will lift up a stand. Nothing happens to you. But when you're a believer, things happen for you. the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another. Lord, help us. In accord, in accord with who? So we're not doing this stuff because we feel like it. We're doing it because of what he has done for us. I said this before, I'll say it again. The level of your spiritual life can be equated to how you treat the person that you like the least. You know how close you are to the master based on how you treat people that mistreat you. How many of us need work out here? Lift your hands right now. Go on to the next one. Go on to the next one. And here's, here's where we, notice this. It says that together with uh, you may with the voice glorify. See, that's why we're doing one voice. Look, look, this is what we're doing. See, we're not just doing this stuff because, you know, we're doing this because it brings glory to God. Yes, sir. It brings glory to God to love our enemies. It brings glory to God to pray for those who despitefully used us. It brings glory to God when we accept people, even though they have done nothing to be acceptable. And here's the last text. Notice what it says right here in verse 7. Go to the next slide. It says, therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. Why? Why, everybody? Why, everybody? It's for his glory. If you needed this word, come to the altar. If you needed this word, come to the altar. If you needed this word. If you needed this word. Come on, quickly, quickly, quickly. If you needed this word, come to the altar. Now, if you really need this word to help you going forward, come to this altar. If you're going to need some Jesus help, help us, Lord. You're going to need some help, Lord. Ooh, I ain't, I ain't, I'm, in, I'm on struggle territory in this area right here. Because there's some folks that I want, I, I want, I don't want anything to do with. There's some folks, God, Lord, you know what they've done to me. And, and now I, I, I whoo. The Lord says, you bring glory to me. Do you see what I did? You see how I chose you? You see how I chose you? You see how I chose you? What about those around you? I want you to, how many want to just commit right now, Pastor? I got a person I'm thinking about right now that, Pastor, this person right now, Lord, if it wasn't for the grace of God, oh, I'd go to hell. If it was, listen, Lord, I, anybody got a person like that? Lift your hands. That person, that, that person, that, that group of people that, just lift your hands right now. Be honest. Mm. Lift your hands right now. Lord, the word of the Lord to you right now is begin to pray for them. The Lord says right now, I want you to begin to pray for them right now, right where you stand. I want you to begin to pray into their lives right now in the name of Jesus. The Lord says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. The Lord says, don't repay evil with evil, but repay evil with what, everybody? With good. The Lord says, begin to bless them and pray for them right now. It could be a child that hurts you. It could be an ex. It could be a spouse. It could be a neighbor. It could be a cousin. It could be a church member. It could be somebody that's doing, listen, get safety. Protect your emotions. Come on, somebody. Have boundaries. 
but the least you can do is not wish evil on them. You can begin to pray for them right now. Pray for them. Pray that they don't hurt nobody else. Pray that they don't hurt nobody else. If they molested you, pray that the Lord stays their hand from touching another child. If they divorced you and abused you, pray that they don't go into another relationship and mess up somebody else's family. Oh, God, help me, Jesus, right now. Pray that they find Christ. Pray that the Holy Ghost changes their life. Pray that they realize God's grace the way you've realized God's grace. Pray! There's somebody else that needs some courage. You need some courage to be able to deal with some issues in your family. Courage to talk about it. Courage to open up yourself. Courage to be vulnerable. Not for your own protection and your own reputation, but everything you're doing, you're doing for the glory of God. Is it going to help somebody? Is it going to help my family? Are they struggling? Pray about it, y'all. At least pray about it. Ask the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, have I been holding with holding information? Is there something that I can share that can be a blessing to my son, to my daughter, to my wife, to my, to my nieces, to my nephews? Is there somebody that can learn something from my experience? Ah, God, my story was not given for, 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 for privacy and for secrecy. But I went through what I went through, not just so I could be a better person, but so that I can help somebody. Ain't nobody saying you got to stand up in front of the church. Might be taking somebody out to lunch. Might be ministering to somebody and saying, listen, I got a story to tell. Hallelujah. And then there's somebody here today. There's some situations right now that you have no control over and you need God to take full control of it. Lift your hands right now. You need God to intervene right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, we're praying in Jesus' name that you intervene. Intervene right now, Lord. And now as we close this message, is there somebody that needs to give their life to the Lord just before we go into, you want to end this year by saying, yes, Lord. You want to end this year by saying, I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to join the church, which means I want to give my life to him in baptism or rebaptism or or transfer membership, or, or profession of faith, whatever it is, but I, I feel the Lord calling me home. I feel the Lord calling me to a life of change, a life of surrender, a life of service. If you hear the Lord speaking to your voice right now saying, today is your day. Today is your day to walk down and say, yes, Lord, I, I invite you into my heart. I want your Holy Spirit to live in me. I don't want to run no more. I don't want to fight no more. I don't want to duck and dodge no more. I don't want to do anything that's displeasing to you anymore. I want to be covered in your righteousness. And I need your help to do it because I can't do it on my own. And so right now, the doors of the church are open. Is there somebody right now that hears the voice of Jesus saying, come unto me and rest? He didn't say, come and work, come and get right. He says, come to me and I will give you rest. I'll work on your behalf. I'll work out what needs to be worked out. I will fix the stuff that needs to be fixed. I'll take out what needs to come out and put in what needs to be put in. You're not coming to save yourself. You're coming so God can save you right where you are. Is there somebody here today that just says, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. I need to join this church right now. I need to come into full communion with the fellowship of believers and with Christ so that my soul is saved. If you're here right now, I want you to raise your hand if the Lord is talking to you. God bless you. Somebody else? Is there anybody else who just wants to lift your hands and say, I want to come into full relationship with the Lord. I want to come into full relationship. I want to, I feel God calling me. I've been running. I've been running. I've been struggling. And, and I'm not embarrassed to say I need the Lord. And I need to give my life to him. And right now, I just, I just want to do his will. If the Lord is talking to you right now, and I need folk praying. I know I need folk praying right now. Ooh, we need folk praying. We need folk praying. Father, 
touch them right now that needs to be touched. Somebody needs to lift their hand. Just lift your hand right now if you feel the spirit of God moving upon your heart. I see you, my brother. I see you, my brother. Praise God. If I get an elder just to minister to my brother right here, praise the Lord for you. Praise the Lord. Come on, put, come on, let's worship. Come on, thank you, Jesus. 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 Thank you, Lord. Is there somebody else? Come on, somebody else just lift your hand and say, it's my time. It's my time. It's my time. I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm not hiding. I'm not running. I need him, and I'm not ashamed to admit it. And I want my soul to be saved. I don't want anything standing in between me and Jesus. And if that means i got to lift my hand and say, yes, Lord, I, I want to follow you. Yes, Lord, I want to do your will. Yes, Lord, I want to make a full commitment. Then I'm willing to do it. If you know that's you, I want you to lift your hand right now if the Lord is talking to you. Just lift your hand if the Lord is talking to you right now. This is why we come to church. This is the only reason why we do all this stuff. Because at the end of the day, we believe that God is still changing lives. Can I get a witness in this place today? Is he not still changing lives? Does the blood still work? Come on, somebody. Is he, is he still an amazing Savior? Is grace still available? Oh, is, is he not a God of second and third and fourth and fifth and sixth chances? How many can lift your hands right now and say, I know that's all right. God is able and he's faithful. Anybody else, just raise your hand right now if you know the Lord's talking to you. Ten. I see your hand. God bless you. Nine. Anybody else? Is there a young person? Hear me now. Maybe a young person. Your head's about your eyes closed. Stillness in the house of the Lord. Everybody listening to me right now. There could be a young person. You may not even understand everything Pastor Evans was saying. But right now, you feel that the Lord is telling you you need to give your life to him. One thing you know for sure. Say, Pastor Evans, I know that God is real. And I know that the devil is real. And I feel that the devil is trying to take me out. Oh, but listen, there is safety in Jesus. And if you give your life to him, young person, uh, if you give your life to him, young person, if you lay your hand and say, I want Jesus to come into my life, Jesus will change your life. Ain't no sense in waiting until you get older. Uh, you need to do it now. Is there a young person who wants to lift their hand and say, I need to be baptized. I need to give my life to the Lord Jesus. I want the Lord to be leading in my life. I don't want my life to be a failure. I don't want to make dumb decisions. I don't want to do Listen, I already got the enemy after me. I'm not going to help him. Is there somebody who just wants to lift your hand right now? Six. Five. Oh, praise the Lord. 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 Praise his name. Praise the Lord. The Lord speaks to children, y'all. And they hear his voice. Hallelujah. They hear his voice. They may not understand everything pastor is saying. Maybe they don't have to understand everything pastor is saying. But in this moment right now, if they hear the prompting of the Holy Spirit saying, raise your hand. I got a plan for your life. I don't know about you, y'all, but I don't take that for granted. Because the devil talks to them all day long. So when they hear the voice of Jesus, I rejoice. Amen? Anybody else? Anybody else? Y'all know old. You feel, feel God calling you. Here's my last appeal. Somebody, God is calling somebody to ministry and to service. And you've been on the sidelines just been coming and, and coming and taking all of this in and, and receiving and receiving and receiving and God says I want you to give out now I want you to give out I want you to be committed to the church I want you to serve I want you to be a good steward I want you to walk with the Lord is there anybody who wants to recommit their life today and say yes Lord I need to be in your service I need to be in your service I ain't going in 2020 sitting down I'm going in serving I'm not going in being selfish I'm going in there being a servant Somebody lift your hands right now if you believe that God is calling you to greater works, not greater works for yourself, not padding your pockets, not getting rich, not simply just trying to make something uh, successful of yourself. But how many believe that God has a ministry for you, a purpose for you, and you want to walk into your divine destiny and calling on your life? 
No matter what you've been through, God says, I still got my hands on you. Is there somebody here who just wants to lift up their hands and say, yes, Lord. Father, I want to do ministry. I want to do ministry, whatever it is. I want to do your will. Raise your hand right now if the Lord is talking to you right now. Come on. We can't go another year living for ourselves. Okay. As we close right now, you know, Willie, that song comes to my mind. It's not something you need to play, but... I just thought about you when I thought about this song. And I know the connection that you have. And you know the song, it says, it says, it says, the safest place in all the world is in the will of God. Yeah. Y'all listen to me. Though trials be great. Yeah. And the way seems hard. It is in the will of God. Oh, you better hear me now. There are many of you that you cannot say for sure that I am living my life in God's will. You have been living your life according to your own terms. And I'm telling you right now, it's dangerous. It's dangerous. It's dangerous when you're living your life outside of God's will. I want to call somebody today to say, yes, Lord. The Lord knows. You know what the Lord's been telling you to do. If the Lord is calling you to do something, I need you to do it. If the Lord is calling you to come out of something, I need you to come out of it. If the Lord is calling you to sell something, I need you to sell it. If the Lord is calling you to make a decision for him, the Lord is telling you to do it. But whatever it is, there is no safety outside of God's will. Your only safety. Is in the will of God. How many know that be true? Lift your hands right now. How many know the enemy can come against you like a flood? But when you're in God's will, how many know there is safety in his will? Oh, lift your hands and bless him right now. How many can say, I'm protected, I'm covered, and I'm covered because I'm in his hands? Glory, 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 glory. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you've heard us today. We prayed, we came here today, not for form or fashion, as Elder Jones prayed. But many of us came here because we said we got to hear from God. And somebody heard something from God today, but they cannot execute it without the power of the Holy Spirit. So if you're with me, saints of God, if you feel like I feel right now, you know that there's work to be done, but you can't do the work on your own. You're going to need some Holy Ghost power to do that thing. Why don't you lift your hands with me right now as we pray this prayer. Holy Spirit, come into my life. Holy Spirit, come into my life. Fill me, fill me, fill me. Help me, help me, help me. I can't do it without you. I can't do it without you. I can't do it without you. I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. Oh, bless me now, Holy Spirit. Fill my life, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Come on. Let's rejoice, Zion. Let's rejoice. says when uh, one person uh, repents, all of heaven rejoices. Uh, I, I just want to know if y'all got the memo today, but somebody made a decision that they were going to give Jesus their entire life. 
Is there anybody here today that realizes that that's no short feat, that that's a miracle? We just saw a miracle happen today. Well, why don't you let your mouth know? Why don't you let your hands know? Somebody give God praise. Somebody come on, give God praise. Isn't this what you prayed for? Isn't this what you pray for when you come to church? Don't you pray, say, God, I want to see somebody's life change. God, I want to see somebody move. Well, the Lord answered your prayer. Somebody put your hands together and open up your mouth. Come on, let's let the Lord know that we're grateful that he visited us today. Somebody shout hallelujah. Somebody shout thank you, Jesus. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that's within me, bless his name. I'm going to ask if our deacons, if they will move quickly uh, this morning to lift up the tithes and the offering. Somebody shout hallelujah. Ah, isn't it a blessing uh, to be able to give? Because Lord knows we love to receive. Come on, say amen. <laughs> how, how, many how many of y'all like to receive? Don't lie about it. Be honest. How many, how many love when them checks come in the mail that you wasn't expecting? Yeah. How many of y'all thank God for that di direct deposit? Oh, bless his name. Some, that, that direct deposit hit somebody just this weekend. Come on, say amen. <laughs> oh, I can't get no help in here. The first, yes, was it the 15th and the 30th? And, and bless your heart, somebody, the first of the month. Come on, say amen. But how many know that you wouldn't even have that if it wasn't for the Lord? And so we're not in our church just receivers, but we are givers. Come on, say amen. Because every good and perfect gift comes from God. And so as we go into 2020, we want a church that's generous. You know, it just reminded me the other day as we're lifting this. Um, by the way, I believe we'll be starting construction in January. Praise the Lord. Is that right, Elder Maddox? I believe it's in January. Uh, construction starts in January. I, I don't know what's wrong with y'all today. Y'all still got that, that food in your belly. I said construction starts in January. Come on, say amen. Okay, let's try it one more time. Listen, we've been in the wilderness for 40 years. We're about to come up out of here. Can I get a witness in here that's glad that construction starts in January? Come on, say amen, 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 amen. <laughs> um, it, it, I, you know how you, on Facebook you get those memories? Y'all know you get those memories on Facebook? You know, any of y'all on Facebook over here? Any of y'all on Facebook? Okay. Yeah, the memories come up. He said now Okay. So the other day on Facebook, I got a memory, uh, and it was December, of course, because I was down in Huntsville, and there was a choir, there was a choir that came and sang for us like six years ago. Voices of Triumph. Did you, Glenn? Yeah, they have to come back at the grand opening. Yeah, this choir, an Oakwood choir, Voices of Triumph. They came to our church like six years ago when we were just talking about a building project. And so, like, last year, I was down in, or year before last, I was down in Huntsville, and this came up on my memories. And this choir full of college students. Okay. Let me talk to the college students over there. Uh, do you have money, woman of God? Are you rolling in dough? <laughs> How many of those college students are broke? Man, that choir, they, none of these kids, I think maybe even, I think Deshae may have been in the choir. I think you were in the choir. But it wasn't because you told them to. But that choir gave us a check for $500. For what? For what? Except that they believe in sowing and reaping. Now, you know what would be wrong for our church to be receiving all these blessings? We raised like $200,000 from people who watch online. Let's put our hands together and thank the Lord for all of those who are not members of our church. 
there's a young adult that's watching. I'm not going to call her name, but there's a young adult that's watching. She, I ain't going to tell you where she's from. But every quarter, she sends a check for $5,000. God bless her. No, she used to. Come on, say amen, amen. <laughs> Just being blessed and, and feeling like I need to be a blessing. Now, many of us in here have been sitting up under the blessing of the covering of this church. And God is saying, we can't just take and not give. How many committed as we go into 2020 to be givers and not just takers? Lift your hands right now. If you want to live in overflow, I'm a witness. All right. Two announcements, and then we're going to let you go. All right. So, number one. Number one, very carefully. Starting in February, the first Sabbath in February. When did I say everybody? First Sabbath in February, we're bringing back our first service, our 9.30 service. We are bringing back first service. Come on, say amen. My first service crowd, we're bringing back the first service. What did, we, what did I say, everybody? First service will start in February. First Sabbath, I think it's February 1. I want to say first Sabbath in February is February 1. I could be wrong, but I want to say it is. I don't know why. I don't, I've got photogenic memory. I'm photographic. What is it? Photogenic is pictures. Yes, I got it. February 1st. When did I say everybody? February 1st. Now, what do I need you to do? We don't have these services so that they can make us very comfortable. What will, what will be of, of most comfort to the members? That's not why we concoct all this stuff. February 2nd. Thank you, woman of God. That's a Sunday? Right, February 1st. All right, it doesn't. The first Sabbath in February. All right, I want y'all to get this. So the reason why we do this is not so the members can just be strengthened and enriched. That's a reason. But the main reason why our church exists is to help as many people as possible experience God's grace before Jesus returns. And I know for a fact there are a lot of people who are not Sabbath keepers. Who Saturday is their day to get stuff done. But they would come at 9.30 in the morning, get a good word, and go about their life. Can I get a witness in here? This service is for evangelism. What is it for everybody? That means some of y'all might have to get up and start coming to first service if you know your neighbor will come. If you know your coworker will come. And as we go into 2020, we're not going to no longer just come to church without at least trying to invite a few people in the week to come with us. Come on, lift your hand. Don't wait till we get in the new building start inviting folk. How many of the Holy Ghost is here right now? Amen? So, first service is coming back on February 1st. All right. What time, everybody? 9.30. It's a short service. It's going to be, you know, a different service. Amen. First. All right, next. Communion is next Sabbath. We're going to open up the new year with communion. Come on, say amen, everybody. Tell your cousins, your aunts, your cousins and them, next Sabbath we're going to open up beginning of the year with our new series, The Growth Mindset, as well as communion. Communion takes place next Sabbath. Now, last but not least, uh, we are going to be going into a 21-day fast as we begin the new year. Those of you who need that, say amen. I'm trying to find my book. I don't know where it is. Um, I'll do it right now. Amen. Bless our hearts. Oh, I know. I found it right here. Uh, well, I don't really need it, but yes, I don't need it. All right. Anyway, there's a book. 
and it's called Leap Year, I think it is. Yeah. It's a red and white book, Leap Year. And we're going to be using that book on our 21-day fast. What we're going to be doing on our 21-day 20 fast is we're going to be praying together on the prayer line every morning at 6 a.m. and at 9 p.m. And we're going to be guided by the book Leap Year written by Pastor Devlier Snell. All right? Also, we're going to be doing 21 days of the Daniel fast. Somebody say the Daniel fast. What is a Daniel fast? The Daniel fast means no dairy, no meat, no sugar. Now, listen, y'all already know this because I, I've been here long enough to know. Some of you will choose to do this. Some of you will not choose to do it. And that's totally up to you. But those of you who are going to be joining us, trying to get your mind right, trying to get into a growth mindset, trying to begin your new year in solidarity and in oneness with the church as we are trying to reach 10,000 people. We're going to be praying every morning for breakthroughs, for miracles, for family members. And I've seen this over and over again. Over these 21 days, people are going to get saved. People are going to be healed. Lives are going to be changed. People are going to break some habits. There's going to be deliverance that's going to happen. How many know I'm telling the truth? How many have experienced this before? God is getting ready to move, and I want you to be a part of it. Now, if you want to be a part of the fast and join us out into the hallway, there is a table set up with the book that we're going to use. It's $10. You would need to put that in a tithe envelope. If you're going to do cash app, you have to... You have to screenshot your cash app or at least show us evidence that you've done the cash app. Do not put the money in the offering plate or give it to the treasurer because we need to make sure that you're not taking this book without putting uh, the replacement funds in there so that we don't go over budget. Would you say amen? Now, these books are first come, first served. There are 70 books left. If you don't miss this harvest, if you miss this harvest, you can go to Amazon.com and order the book by Pastor Deblier Snell, Leap Year. You can get it on Amazon paperback or you can get it a Kindle version. So you can get that if you want to. But there are books in there for you to get it. I would tell you to get it now. So as we begin our fast next week, you'll be ready to go. All right. Also, we'll have a little um, uh, sort of a fasting guide with all the details of what we're doing each day, the number and everything. And that'll be with it as well. Amen. Everybody good. Let's stand together and have our benediction as it will be on the screen. All right. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for reminding us that you give us radical, unconditional acceptance and that you would have us to do unto others as you would have us to do uh, uh, to ourselves. So, Father, I'm just praying right now, like, uh, this is a hard word. Many of us, we know we need the Holy Spirit to be able to execute this. We just don't want to be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. I'm praying that you will bless our coming in, our going out. Bless us in the city. Bless us in the field. Help us to be more generous, more loving, more giving, more faithful, uh, more unselfish. God, change our lives and work our, our salvation, Lord God, as you work in your Holy Spirit. Thank you for hearing and answering this prayer. Those that believe that the Lord heard the prayer said amen. And amen. Would you do me a favor and hug three or four people and tell them it was a great year. Say happy new year to them. Tell them happy new year. Come on. Three or four people, happy new year. Don't worry about the chairs. Don't worry about the chairs. Praise the Lord. Don't worry about the chairs. Don't worry about the chairs. Don't worry about the chairs. Now, some of you wanted a copy of my book. I have some free. If you don't have a copy, I got some free copies of my book, First Come, First Serve. I'm going to be standing right here. Some of you have already asked for some. This is for family worship. You're more than happy to help. Yep. 